So, welcome to my episode. It's, it's finally my my episode again. <laughs> um, uh, so lo- just like last time, I've been uh, of my own doing uh, pigeonholed into the uh, creepy pasta uh, posts. So um, I like it. I like editing them. I know that your dad likes them too. So mm-hmm. uh, that's what we're going to be doing this week. I read this one. Actually, to be honest, uh, so let me just do the credit right now um, because I'm going to be talking about him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was written by Brian A. Young. And if you guys want to check him out, he's actually on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Brian is the king. Brian, B R Y A N is the king. I wonder if that's his actual way he spells it because that's so different. It is. It's um, like Brian. But you know what? Uh, we just saw Kristoff's spelled like by some Russians. So it's it's not the weirdest spelling. Uh, so this guy on the on the website that I'm looking at, it's creepypasta.net. And they have a list of like all the creepypastas that have been put onto the website. And it's really nice because I can just go and hit top rated. When I go into top rated, the top four stories are all Brian's. Every single one is Brian's. And, and he's only written four stories. So, uh, this guy is really good at his writing. I I read one of them halfway through. I was like, you know what? This is getting good. And then it started doing references to a previous one. So I was like, fuck, now I got to read that one. So I started reading that. And then it's like, oh, it does references to a different one. I'm like, fuck. Okay. When did he first start writing? So this is his first one. Ooh, okay. And my episodes, my next four episodes are going to be all oh. his stories. Oh, in chronological order? In chronological order, oh, yeah. okay. Fine. And it is a continuing storyline. So um, first off the bat, I want to say that, Stephen, you have the leading role. <gasps> oh, my God. How fitting. <laughs> okay. Uh, you are Detective Smith. It's because he's a minority. He he actually is black. Yes. Um. <laughs> oh really? I've for my Let's go. Um, he's an African American detective in, I believe, in the New York area. So, um, Maya has a From few roles. Bronx. Brett, you have a few roles. I'm walking in. I'm... <laughs> Are you bitch. That's what I was gonna go even? for. Maya. <laughs> Do you have a puffer jacket, even? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> fuck out of here, mate. Oh, no, no. That's, that's Go, hey, or how, how does the British Oh, girl, sound? you better stop. Hey, <laughs> So I can't I, do accents. It doesn't sound like <laughs> your detective is a New York native. Oh, because he does plant. point out that these other detectives have like a very strong New York accent, you know? Oh, okay. So the New York accent might actually those detectives might actually be transplants. You know, we, we could be in fucking Pennsylvania. Who knows? Okay. But, um, so this was written by Brian and this was written back on January 14th this year. So it's very recent. And this guy's already on the front page, top stories, you know, on this website. So this guy has a good, you know, outlook for this year. Um, good for him. This story in particular, it's called I Investigate Disturbing Cases. Here are my stories. 
and the subtitle is The Woman. Oh, shit. Okay. The rating on this one is a 9.38 out of 10. Nice. And that's with 613 votes. Wow. And that's triple as good as uh, Justice League. <laughs> Uh, so this is under the the categories of like abductions and kidnappings, as oh well God. as like um, that's a category on Creepypasta. It is, yeah, as well as like uh, detective work and disappearances, uh, monsters, suspense, and thrillers. So this is sorted down Maya's alley um, as far as like crime goes, but it's sort of like down my alley as far as like monsters and cryptids go so i'm excited oh, about it best of both worlds yeah right so uh and i actually have to um correct myself it is not creepypasta.net it's creepypasta.com they are more established oh, than dot net so yeah. my bad i'm sorry um, they also have a youtube channel and an app on the app store and the itunes store so if y'all want to read some creepypastas you know that's yeah. Oh, I thought the Brian guy had an app. No, no, no. He's just on Twitter. Um, the actual website has an app. I'm sure it's just like a simplified web version of the, you know, stories. Yeah. So. Anyways, on to the story. Um, this one, like I said, is called The Woman. So, they say that everyone has a case that haunts them. Personally, if it's just one case, then clearly whoever they are isn't doing very good police work. Being a detective is gritty and bleak. You aren't dealing with happy endings, you're dealing with the cold hard truth. Sure, every now and again, you'll get an easy case. The missing kid who just happens to be at a friend's house, or the argument turned bad where the bullet just happens to miss every vital organ. Open and shut. Everyone goes home with a smile on their face, or at least the life that they were given. But that's not the norm. Something you learn quickly from this job is how different we all are. Each person taking you down a wholly unique path filled with their own challenges. Each time you try and understand the person you're dealing with. But most of the time, you never really do. Even if you solve a case, you've opened doors that can never be shut. And just like that, you're now involved in the lives of people that extend beyond a court date. Someone doesn't stop being dead after a guilty verdict. A woman doesn't stop crying after her abuser is sentenced. And a person doesn't stop being missing just because he moved on to another case. At the end of the day, if you can't cope with being haunted by what'll eventually amount to a hell of a lot more than one case, then this isn't the job for you. That being said, when the case of a missing girl was casually dropped on my desk on one rainy August afternoon, I was less than reluctant to make it a priority. Don't ignore that one, Smith. The woman hovering above me said sternly with her finger firmly pressed down on the stack of paper. Detective Evelyn Joss had been hard on me from day one. I'm not quite sure what started our rivalry, but from the second we had our first conversation, I knew that she'd had a whole life of being a hard ass. Naturally, being someone who likes to push people's buttons, it made her fun to mess with, which in turn forced her to push me harder. But this time around, I could tell she wasn't in any sort of mood to play. 
Chief wants you on this case immediately. He said if you don't make progress with it, then he's coming for me, which means I'm coming for you. I looked at the papers on my desk and quickly thumbed through them, scratching at my short beard as I went. Missing kid? Shit. Okay. I see why he wants me on this, but why in the hell does he think I need a babysitter? She shrugged. Not sure. Chief is just really set on this thing getting looked at. As I started to skim the documents, I quickly realized there wasn't much to go on. Faye Mizuki was your typical 15-year-old girl. From what I saw, not much stood out, and that was the problem. All that we really had to go on was some interviews with known acquaintances, some known locations, and statements from the family. This was odd. Why would a girl who lived an otherwise boring routine life just disappear? I didn't feel like she seemed like the type of girl to run away independently, so it appeared obvious one of two things was true. Everything we knew about her was wrong, or she was taken. It wasn't much to go on, but boiling down a disappearance to one of two scenarios immediately cut out many potential dead ends, and by the next day, I planned to have it down to one. I could feel determination starting to fill my body. In response, I took a big gulp of the cold coffee sitting near my computer. As I began to furiously type away as I could feel inspiration starting to make the neurons in my brain fire like an old western shootout. Evelyn had seen me make this change before. As soon as she noticed me go into work mode, she turned away without a word and let me go down to brass tacks. I think I even caught what I thought was a slight smile as she let me do my thing. And in doing my thing, I found exactly what I was looking for. Absolutely nothing. Even when doing a deep dive into her immediate and extended family, there wasn't a single iota of noticeable information. These people were spotless, not even so much as a traffic ticket to speak of. When I reviewed some of the documents I had been given in more detail, I noticed a trend in those interviewed. They had all come from spots that Faye was known to frequent, but the same things said were practically the same. Quiet, polite, never stuck out from her group of girlfriends. If I didn't know any better, I'd think they didn't know she existed. It almost seemed like they were just talking about some generic teenager. The only person who had slightly more to say was the owner of an Italian place. He mentioned that she and her family visited the restaurant a lot and that Faye seemed really close to her parents. Unlike a typical teen, Faye engaged them. She wanted to have a close relationship with her folks and never took the opportunity to be out with them for granted by being on her phone. If only all kids felt like that, but I digress. Either way, this was all useful information. I had an idea of who Faye was. While I'd still do my due diligence on the facts, I knew what I was looking for. I was looking for the thing or person that stuck out from the blandness. However, I also knew I wasn't going to do that by talking to the people accustomed to seeing that side of her. By the next morning, I was drinking warm coffee in the office of her principal, Miss Thompson. I could immediately tell that Miss Thompson was a no-nonsense type of person. She came off as mean-spirited. Her sharp tongue betrayed the image of the short, almost sweet-looking old lady one could easily mistaken her for. 
I already talked to the cops. I don't know why you're here. She said, waving me off. And I understand that, Mrs. Thompson. But I'd just like to ask some follow-up questions if you don't mind. This must have offended her because she stopped typing at her computer and gave me an are you serious type of look. I could tell through her dark lenses that she was rolling her eyes and she made it a point to say her next words slowly. I don't know what happened. I know your people are slow, but that should be pretty straightforward. Being a black detective in a very non-black area, you always expect some people to treat you differently, but her uh, bluntness caught me off guard. As much as I wanted to cuss her out right there and remind her that I don't give a damn that she's an educator because I'm still a cop, I knew I needed her information. I instead opted to smile and force out a fake laugh. <laughs> Look, I really don't want to take up too much of your time. If you say you don't know anything about her disappearance, then fine. But surely you know if she's been into any trouble. Maybe some kind of altercation with any teacher or classmate? To her credit, she actually stopped to think for a moment. Her history teacher, Mr. Berkeley. He's mentioned her name a couple of times, and I thought it was odd because she's never had issues in any other class. Maybe he knows something. Bingo. A hint at a break from her norm. And when could I see him? I asked. If you come by at lunch, he should be in room 2105. She turned her attention back to her computer, her hand waved frantically towards the door, signifying that she'd done her part in setting me in the right direction and that I needed to leave her alone. I took the hint and walked towards the exit, but I couldn't help myself from stopping at the door. You know... I was always the fastest kid in my grade. Though when you're in your 30s, I guess you're not as fast as you used to be. But I'd imagine that's something you figured out many decades ago. Tragic. And with that, I slipped out the door, only glancing back to see the look of pure anger she had plastered on her face. When 12 o'clock rolled around, I returned for my rendezvous with Mr. Berkeley. I strolled into the messy classroom and noticed the balding, shorter man tucked away behind his desk, with a stack of papers neatly placed beside him. I waited for a moment by the door, but it wasn't until I intentionally cleared my throat to get his attention that he broke from his work to look up at me. <clears throat> oh, he said, startled, jumping a bit in his seat. I apologize, I didn't see you there. You must be the asshole detective I was told needed to talk to me. Asshole detective? I chuckled. Maybe Monday through Sunday, but other than that, I swear I'm the nicest guy in the world. He laughed, and the mood seemed to lift a bit. What can I do for you, Detective I? Uh... Smith. Detective Smith. I said, pulling out a chair from a nearby desk while opening up the notes app on my phone. You're Faye Mizuki's history teacher, right? I'm assuming you've heard the news of her disappearance. Is there anything of note that you can tell me about her? He thought for a moment. Hmm. No, not to really. Faye is a pretty good student, does all her work, shows up on time, gets good grades. All of that would seem to make her better than just a pretty good student, yeah? I heard from my sources that she's a straight-A student, so surely she's better than that. He shrugged. I suppose. Nothing major separates Faye from the great students, in my opinion. Nothing major? Tell me about the minor stuff, then. 
really just some uh, disciplinary stuff. She's very talkative in class. And I've had to have a few conversations with her about being disruptive. Everything I've read about her says that she's a quiet girl. Seems a little odd that she'd be a chatterbox in your class all of a sudden. Not that I don't believe you, but things change when your best friend is in your class. Best friend? Do you have the name of this person? Yeah, Hannah Sterling. 16, blonde hair, freckles, green eyes. I think she swims with Faye on the water polo team. Interestingly enough, Hannah hadn't been in any of the reports I'd read. How could we have missed a best friend? I wanted to push further on this fact, but as a 50-year-old teacher, Mr. Berkeley didn't have much insight into the personal lives of these kids. Hannah Sterling. I pushed. From what I've come to understand, she's not someone that I know of to be in Faye's main group of friends, and yet they're constantly chatting it up. They uh, seem pretty friendly in class, that's all I can say. Whether or not they hang out outside of it isn't really my place of expertise, but I always assumed they were close. The well of information there was running dry. After a couple more questions, I thanked Mr. Berkeley for his help and proceeded to make my way back to the car. On my way out, I sent text messages to my officers back at the station to find me all the information they could on Hannah Sterling. I also asked them to check up on the people we had interviewed to see if they had recognized the name or the description. By the time evening rolled around, I had exactly what I needed. A location and all the pertinent background knowledge to break the case wide open. Hannah actually had quite a history. Drug dealing, running away, multiple suspensions from school, and a long list of other more minor offenses. She was a young girl on the wrong path, not exactly someone you'd expect Faye to be associated with. And apparently, she wasn't someone her family expected her to be associated with either. From a follow-up interview that one of my officers did, I learned that Faye and Hannah were friends in middle school, but Faye's parents disapproved of the friendship and had thought the two split ways. Even Faye's close friends had no idea that the two were friendly. This was the abnormality, the thing that stuck out from the blandness and likely the key to where to find Faye. At seven on the dot, I was knocking on her door and flashing a badge. Having seen this kind of thing many times before, Hannah's parents didn't put up much of a fuss when I said I needed to speak with her privately. In the next couple of minutes, the young girl was sitting across from me in her living room, seemingly trying to make my heart stop with her stare. Obviously, the last thing she wanted to do was be talking to the police, even with her friend's life potentially at stake. Whatever it is, I didn't do it. She said with no hint of emotion in her voice. She simply stared forward at me with her arms crossed. Well, I guess my work here is done then. I joked. There wasn't even a hint of a smile from the girl in response. I cleared my throat and followed up. <clears throat> right. Uh, look, all I care about is finding Faye, and I have reason to believe that you can help me with that. She scoffed. <laughs> Why? I didn't have anything to do with what happened. Maybe you should go look for the person that's actually responsible. Obviously, I wasn't getting through and needed to try a different strategy. That's fair. Look, I believe you, and I'm not here to get you into any trouble. I just want to know some things that I don't think other people are willing or able to tell me. 
Whatever you say won't be used against you, but I need your help. And how do I know that you're not just saying that to get me to talk? Because you have my word that if you get caught for anything in the future, I'll be in your corner defending you. I know you've had a rough life, and it would surely behoove you to have someone on the inside that can vouch for you if you work with me, yeah? She raised an eyebrow at this and thought for a moment. I could tell my proposal piqued her interest. I still don't know how I can help. I quickly pulled out my notes app and replied, All I need you to do is lead me down the right path. First, why don't Faye's parents know about you if you two are still friends? She shrugged. We don't really advertise our friendship. Faye is very much a goody-goody, and it'd be bad for her image if we were seen hanging out, but I do really care about her and we have fun together. So you'd say you make it work behind closed doors? I guess. We see each other on the weekends and when she's not with her other friends. Mostly it's in secret spots I know of around the area. And where would those spots be? A slight laugh escaped her, and I could see her body start to relax. <laughs> I'm definitely not telling you that, cop. Doesn't matter, though. She wouldn't be there anyway. Faye is terrible with directions. Plus, she wouldn't have a reason to visit without me. Still, though, a young person breaking from her boring life is exciting. I'd imagine she wasn't just hanging out. I think she would also be looking to you for other, uh, new things into her life. I mean, she started smoking and drinking a little bit recently. Really? You're underage girls. Where on earth are you getting the drugs from? Weed comes from a lot of places, she said with a slight smile. Can't say exactly. The alcohol is usually brought by this guy we've been smoking with. A third player in all of this? I whispered to myself. I leaned in for more details and asked. A guy you've been smoking with? Where'd you meet him, and what's his name? We just know some of the same people. I think his name is like Walter or something? Seventeen, tall, pale skin, dark circles under his eyes like he hasn't slept in weeks. I think he goes to one of the schools around here. Did he and Faith talk a lot? Faith talked about him a little bit to me, and I thought there was some chemistry there, but nothing I really ever looked into. After about a half hour more of asking standard questions and exchanging phone numbers, I left with my mind made up. The threads were leading me to this Walter kid. Something in my gut told me he knew exactly where Faye was. In one way or another, I was going to get that information out of him. The next day in the office was a mad rush of writing reports and trying to do my research on just who this kid could be. But just going off a name and vague description wasn't enough. There wasn't anything in our databanks that helped me, and I was afraid I'd have to go through every kid with a first name beginning with W in the area. Frustrated, I decided to step outside to take a break. But before I reached the door, I bumped into Detective Joss. Smith! She said a little too forcefully. How's your case coming along? It's been a couple of days, and you know what they say about 48 hours. You're not slacking, are you? I shook my head and threw my hands up. I'm making progress. I think I'm close to it. There's just one little detail to solve, and after that, I'm off to the races. She leaned against the wall and sipped her coffee. Oh, and what's that? Some kid named Walter something. Seventeen, tall, pale skin. 
dark hair, circle under his eyes. Apparently, he's from the area, but I have no idea where to find this guy. She thought for a moment and snapped her fingers. Without a word, she ran off. A couple minutes later, she came back and motioned for me to follow. A couple of the officers were sitting around a computer with a picture pulled up of a rather rough-looking young boy. This is the guy you're looking for, detective? The younger of the two officers asked in a distinctively New York accent. We've had some calls about him before. He's run away from home a couple times. When we had to bring him back, nothing off the rap sheet, though. Walter Crane is his full name. Hoping it was who I was looking for, I snapped a picture of the boy and sent it to Hannah. Within minutes, I had a response confirming that it was indeed the same kid. My eyes grew wide reading her text. Immediately, I grabbed the address for Walter's school from the guys at the computer and bolted out the front door, shouting that I owed them big on the way out. I made the drive from the station to the school in record time. In what felt like seconds, I went from demanding that the principal grab Walter to sitting down with the kid in a private room. Right off the bat, I could tell he was nervous. I didn't even have to say Faye's name for him to know precisely why we were sitting across from each other. Without saying a word, I wanted him to know that I was sizing him up, but it was apparent that I didn't have to do much to intimidate him. It was like Hannah said, it looked like he hadn't slept in weeks. He was skinny, smelled like cigarettes, and struggled to make eye contact. And even beyond that, his general unkempt look, loose-fitting clothes, and pale skin belied a kid that was obviously struggling with something pretty serious. No visible bruises to indicate that there was abuse, but that didn't mean there wasn't any going on. Either way, something was deeply wrong. I um, don't know why I'm here. He eked out. I wasn't in the mood for games. Look, kid, a girl is missing, and I have reason to believe that you know something. Why me? <sighs> Tell me how you know Hannah Sterling. Don't lie, either. I've talked to enough people to know the truth here, and I swear it's going to look awful for you if you start jerking me around. He fell for the bluff. Okay, okay, she sold me drugs. What kind of drugs? I demanded. Um, just weed. He replied softly. Did you ever smoke weed with Hannah? Sometimes, yeah. Why? Was there ever anybody else there? And if so, then what was their name? Yeah, uh, a girl named Faye. Bingo. Did you ever talk to Faye outside of smoking with Hannah? He started to choke up. His hand twitched for a moment, and I could see he was debating whether or not to come clean. I realized I might have been pushing too hard and pulled back the intensity a bit. <laughs> Does that not sound? Okay, I've read a lot of stuff. Never mind. <clears throat> Look, Walter. I know this is hard. I Okay, sorry. <clears throat> Look, Walter. I know this is hard. And I don't want you to worry about getting into any trouble or anything. I leaned in closer and put my hand on his shoulder. But right now, I don't care about any other stuff. I just need to find out where Faye is. Please help me do that. He shook his head. You don't understand. I, You won't believe me. I leaned back in my chair and took on a softer tone. Try me. Start from the beginning. He took a deep inhale before a slow exhale and nodded. <sighs> I've been dealing with some stuff. No, some 
thing. This thing has kept me up for the past couple of months. I've been really scared. I, It said it'd take me to its home just like it took other people unless I gave it something to take my place. It visited me every night. I knew it was getting closer and closer to taking me. It reminded me of every damn day of what it wanted. I started buying weed from Hannah to help me sleep, and that's where I met Faye. She's a really nice girl, just really naive. I could tell that she liked me a bit, and I I used that. I'm so sorry that I did, but I needed someone to take my place. I told her I knew a cool spot where we could hang out at. So I drove her out there, and that's where you'll find her. At a tone. I promise I didn't hurt her, but you have to see. None of this made any damn sense to me. I couldn't tell if Walter was admitting to murder, maybe with an accomplice, or if he was hinting at something else entirely. I must have not even noticed how long I was in my own thoughts while taking notes, because before I knew it, the kid was rocking back and forth, crying about how sorry he was. I tried calming him down, but to no avail. The best I could do was wait until his panic attack was over. Even then, he profusely stated how he never hurt Faye, and that he was just doing what he could to survive. The kid was spooked out of his mind, and suddenly his appearance made more sense. This was caused by stress, and a hell of a lot of it. Eventually, I managed to get an address for the place, and got all of Walter's contact info, telling him I'd be in touch. On the way out, I took a few minutes to try and convince the principal that she should send Walter home for the day. For whatever happened, he was a teenage boy under a lot of stress. I had no qualms about bringing him to justice if and when the time came, but I also felt sympathy for whatever he was going through. She seemed to respect my suggestion, but I'm not sure if she ever actually did anything. Either way, that was a secondary concern. At the moment, I had my location about a 45-minute drive away, and nothing was going to stop me from getting there. And this would actually be a perfect time to take a break. Oh my, I saw what you did there. (laughs) I'm going to need another drink. So let's just take a break real quick. Everyone, fill up your drinks. If you have to go to the bathroom, do that. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Everyone got their snacks, their drinks, and we're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we just got uh, the location from Walter, and it's a 45-minute drive away, and nothing was going to stop me from getting there. I jumped in my car and burned rubber towards the address. My attention never once broke from the road ahead of me, and my mind was solely focused on finding Faye. Not a single stray thought entered my brain. When I finally arrived at the nearly dilapidated house out in the middle of a random plot of land surrounded by nothing, I truly started to fear the worst. By the looks of it, it was an old, abandoned, two-story farmhouse. I'd done this job long enough to know that with nothing around for miles, it'd be the perfect spot for a murder. Even standing a reasonable distance from the old farmhouse, I could catch a whiff of a pungent odor. As I walked closer to it, the stench only intensified. What the hell? I thought to myself as I went before the door. It only took a slight nudge for it to open, but what I saw inside, I... Jesus, it was fucking horrible. The light from outside poured in through the various holes in the farmhouse illuminating the various dead bodies strewn about. 
most of them appear to be animals, but some were undoubtedly human, and most were very young. What kind of sick bastard would do something like this? I thought... I pulled my gun and shouted for whoever was there to come out slowly with their hands up. I waited for about 30 seconds with no response from anywhere in the building. I shouted again and still no response, but despite the silence, I knew I wasn't alone. To this day, I don't know what force drove me to do it, but I had this indescribable urge to look up. For a moment, I thought I saw what appeared to be a massive four-legged spider scurry from the ceiling into one of the rooms on the second floor. My brain couldn't quite process what I had just seen. If that was a spider, it was easily as long as a polar bear. It had to be at least nine feet, with legs easily matching the length of its body. But the more I thought about it, the more I questioned what spider had smooth skin with a head of long black human hair. Gun pointed in front of me, I ran up a set of dangerously old stairs and followed the thing into the room I had seen it enter. What stood before me was most definitely not a spider. It was a woman. She did stand at approximately the nine foot height I assumed when I first got a glance. Her body was rail thin with loose hanging gray skin and arms that dragged behind her on the ground. But it wasn't just the impossible proportions of her body that terrified me to my core. It was looking at her eyeless face and rubbery lips, the corners of which drooped far past her chin in a permanently distorted frown. Inside her mouth, it appeared as though she was sucking on what I thought was a skull, like a cartoonishly sized jawbreaker. Her long gray tongue wrapped entirely around it and milky, viscous saliva dripped from her mouth as she moved it around. I wanted to gag at the sight of her. My body was frozen in fear. I didn't know what to do or how to react. For a moment, we just stared at each other until I heard moaning. My eyes darted from the monster of a woman to the source of the sound. In the same room was a young girl, one that I recognized, Faye Mizuki. She was lying on the ground, her eyes rolling into the back of her head. It looked as though she was covered in dirt. I finally found her, but I knew this thing wouldn't just let me take her with me. I had to make a quick decision. It was now or never. I fired off multiple rounds into the thing and rushed towards Faye to grab her and get the hell out. But only after taking a couple steps forward, I found myself flying backward and smashing back onto the ground. Despite her lack of apparent muscle, she was incredibly strong. I tried scrambling for my gun, but she snatched where it had fallen beside me and flung it into some dark corner. Now I was utterly defenseless. By the time I realized what happened, I felt the woman's ice-cold fingers double-wrapped around my throat. She carried me to the first floor and slammed me against the splintering wall. I struggled to breathe against her might, and as my vision started to blur, I could see her puffy gray face come close to mine. The two words she uttered through rotten breath in her deep voice chilled me to the bone. Get out! I knew she wasn't going to tell me again, and realistically I had no means of objecting. 
I took one glance at the room on the second floor and saw Faye looking down at me with tears in her eyes. And what did I do? I'd like to say that I stayed and, like a good cop, I fought against the odds to do the right thing. But no. One more glance at the figure towering above me, and I... I ran. I ran like a fucking coward with his tail behind his, between his legs. The fear of the moment and of that goddamn thing was too much. I didn't even look back at the farmhouse until I was safely locked in my car and calling for backup. The desperation in my voice as I begged them to save me from that monster was apparent. It took a while for them to arrive. All the while, I was trying to process just what the hell had happened. When the officers arrived, I broke down what had happened, and they just looked at me in disbelief. When I realized they didn't actually believe me, I just told them to shoot any damn thing that moved in there except for the little girl. I watched as they disappeared into the house, but no sense of comfort came over me. Moments later, I saw a familiar vehicle pull up beside me in a gravelly voice yelling out my name. Smith! Turning to the large figure behind me, I asked, Chief, what are you doing here? He fumbled in his pockets for a bit and then pulled out a lighter and cigarette, setting the tip ablaze as he answered. I wanted to see this one through personally. You look like shit, Smith. What the hell happened? Flashbacks of that horrible thing crossed my mind and I shook my head, repulsed at the thoughts. I found the girl and, uh, something else. Look, everything will be in my report tomorrow, but when the officers kill whatever the hell it is in there, you need to see it with your own eyes. He stared at me for a moment, puffing on his cigarette. I couldn't read him. All I knew is that the look on his face wasn't disbelief, but something else entirely. Pity, maybe? I'll never know. Either way, he played off my fears and simply said, Go home, Smith. We'll handle things from here. You've worked hard on this case, and it looks like you've been beaten up a bit. Detective Joss will be on the scene soon to tie up loose ends. I was shocked and found myself speaking in a little louder of a tone than I had expected. What? No, I have to see this thing through. I have to make sure she's okay. The look in his eye implicated he wasn't going to argue with me. No, Smith. You're going home. We will take care of everything. You have my word. I wanted to fight it. I wanted to scream and yell that this was bullshit, but I knew my place, and I knew I didn't have any standing to force the issue. Reluctantly, I got in my car and drove home mad at the world. That night was awful. I couldn't stop thinking about the monster I had come face to face with, or the conversation with Walter that now made complete sense. The thing was hunting him, and it was smart enough to get him to sacrifice someone else in his place. I wouldn't be able to sleep either if I knew that thing was coming for me. Hell, it probably explained him running away too. He was probably trying to get as far away from it as possible. Still, he knew he'd never succeed until either it took him or until it took someone else. But why? Why not just take the kid? Why did it matter who it was if it was just hungry? Did it just like to fuck with people? 
Did it have some kind of sick mind that matched its even sicker appearance? I wish I knew. The next day, I tried to keep a sense of normalcy. My morning was fine, albeit I scared myself a couple of times, thinking that lady had found itself in my house. I threw myself into my work the next day, finishing my report in record time. I wanted to hand it to the chief personally, in part so that I can ask him about what went down the previous day. But in response, he simply asked me to close and lock the door behind him. Sit down, Smith, he said calmly, and I did. Look, I appreciate you doing the work you did. You're a damn fine cop, damn fine. But here's what's going to happen. I know you. You're an honest guy. You want to do things the right way. And your report is going to reflect that, isn't it? I... yes. I replied cautiously. I respect that, but this report on my desk doesn't exist. He pulled out a stack of papers from his desk. This is actually the report that you emailed me today and handed to me in person. It says that you talked to the Walter kid. He told you that Faye had tried some new drugs, found a spot to use them in, been killed by an unknown assailant, and that the farmhouse she was using had been burned down, likely by a homeless squatter on accident. That sounds more realistic, doesn't it? What was he saying to me? My blood was boiling, and it took everything in my power not to rush the man right there and crack him against the jaw. Sir, that's not at all what happened. The girl was alive when I saw her. There were armed officers who went in to take her. He nodded. And what, Smith? They went in to find a creature of the night like superheroes? You were there. There's no way they didn't see. There's no way you didn't see. I was beginning to crack. He sighed and leaned back in his chair. I was there, and I did see a lot. Look, it doesn't do either of us good to lie. Smith, there are things out there. Things that we are completely incapable of dealing with. So we just run and hide? I snapped. Isn't that what you did? He calmly replied. I... He was right. His words stung like a salted dagger to the gut. What could I even say? But that's not what we do. I was wrong. He exhaled loudly. <sighs> Let's say that people believed us. We don't live in a world where anyone could ever accept that things that go bump in the night are real, even if we say it's true. We'd get looked at as crazies who aren't doing their job. But let's pretend like that's not the case. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from there? Arrest something like her? Keep her in jail with all the other criminals? Smith, do you think burning down that farmhouse killed her? Fuck no. Just scared her off. We literally don't have the capacity to deal with things like that. So what's the next best move? Stop the panic. 
move those things to more obscure locations if we can, but otherwise operate as if things are normal and move on. We focus on the real crimes that we can deal with. I was speechless. My own damn chief was telling me just to forget that a family had lost a daughter because he didn't think there was anything we could do to help. The only thing left to do was ask. Did you know? He went silent for a moment and said, I had a hunch. I've seen cases like this before. After talking to some other counties about similar disappearances, the signs pointed to this maybe being the case. When your frantic call came through, I wanted to confirm it for myself. Smith, you did good work. This was a problem we needed to address for a while. And I... And if she strikes again? I interrupted. Then we figure something else out, I suppose. Look, you're going to be on some easy cases for a while. You've earned the break, and I don't want you seeing anything else traumatic, even by normal standards, for a while. But I'm demanding that you play ball on this one. Just trust me. Without saying a word, I nodded and walked out. I never said a peep to anyone. I never even spoke about it to the officers that I knew were there. Little did I know, I would eventually become a trusted person in these types of cases. Someone good enough to investigate and trustworthy enough not to say anything. It was hard to live with. Knowing the truly messed up and outright terrifying parts of the world. The creatures we live with daily do horrible things, while the people sworn to protect us just stand by and do nothing. It was a significant source of conflict and eventually led to me leaving. But these stories will always stick with me, forever burned into my memory as genuinely defining moments of my life. When the time comes, I'll share more of these tales, but for now, just remember, when you hear something go bump in the night, don't think for a second that it can't reach out and drag you away. Stay safe, everyone. Dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so that was The Woman by Brian A. Young. Best of friends, let's go <laughs> down to the river. <laughs> Uh, I liked so, it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. That was cool. Good. I'm glad you guys liked it. There's going to be uh, three more at least. Uh, Can you give us hints later? Uh, the second, the one, next one at least. Yeah. Yeah. So this one was called the woman. The second one is called the watchers. Third one is called the hermit. And then the fourth one is called the hammerhead. Sure. The hammerhead I read half of. That was the recent one that he wrote. Uh, that he wrote, and it was really good. Uh, I'm excited for that one. It showed up because I actually looked up monsters and cryptids, uh, and the highest rated one was that one. So I was like, "Oh, cool." Um, the hermit. All I know about it is there's somebody in the vents. I don't like that. So, look forward to that in two months. Among Us? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pretty sus. Are they sassy? (laughs) So, um, but uh, yeah, that was my episode. Um, 
I, I feel like this was a solid story and I, th- I feel like we're set up for not another three months. Um, yeah, I hope you're happy, this. Dad. Yeah. Um, of course, thank you, John. Uh, and John, Josh. Uh, and Josh Black. A, an active member. Yeah. Also, Josh Black. Thank, thank you, Josh. Josh. Thank Honestly. You, John. Thank you. John, Josh, and Anchor. Y'all are so great. And it's really validating to have you guys support us. Check out Brian on Twitter. Uh, it's twitter.com slash Brian is the king. And it is B-R-Y-A-N. Um, kudos to him and kudos to creepypasta.com where yeah. I got I get all my stories. So, yep. Anyways, that's it for me. Uh, signing off. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye. 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 Bye.